the WILK studios in Pittston, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Sharing Recovery, first-hand stories of addiction and recovery. Recovery is possible. Sharing Recovery is sponsored by Clearbrook Treatment Center, Archstone Recovery, the Wright Center for Primary Care, and Attorney Dave Akins. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining Sharing Recovery. Um, I'm Suzanne Kelly. I'm joined by co-host and Chief Inspiration Officer Jack Kropp. Uh, Jack, last September, celebrated 19 years of, of recovery, and he's just a, a phenomenal co-host and uh, co-producer and uh, all-around great guy. Um, sharing Recovery is about help, it's about hope, and it's about healing. We believe that regardless what your situation is, how far gone you think you are, how afraid you are, um, recovery and change and a happy life is definitely possible. So thank you for listening and uh, joining us and watching us on Facebook Live. Today's guest came up from the Allentown area. His name is Dan Carpenter. Dan he has, was dual addicted. He's been sober since uh, 2011. Dan is the radio host and founder of Recovery 365. Dan, thanks so much for being here and thanks, welcome. Thanks for having me. So you've been sober since 2011. When did you start using? And if you could share a little bit of background about uh, what you started using. Um, probably the age of 14, um, just like your everyday high school kid, middle school kid, um, just drinking alcohol on the weekends. Um, couldn't wait to do it again. You know, um, I, we, I remember us drinking 40 ounce beers and, you know, we couldn't put them in a refrigerator because of, you know, whatever house we were at, so we had to hide them. And from that moment on, I had to drink fast. I was already thinking about the next drink because um, I didn't want the, the next beer to be warm. Um, so alcoholic tendencies were already rampant. Um, I wasn't drinking alcoholically yet, but not soon after. Um, my father was an alcoholic. Everybody on my dad's side of the family were all alcoholics. They're all in recovery except for him. Um, you know, so I've seen it. I've, I've been to meetings, and I was never going to grow up like that. I'd be different. Um, all those things. You know, I was involved in sports, so I, I didn't get in trouble. You know, I, I played sports since I was four years old up until I graduated. Um, cocaine came into picture um, when I was a junior. You know, um, I walked into a college party, wrong place, wrong time, and... There it was. Had, they had to have my word. I wouldn't say anything. So, you know, I tried it. Um, didn't think anything of it. Just could drink a little bit more. The Coke allowed you to drink a little bit more. Now, Correct. when you say junior, you're talking junior in college or no, junior, junior in high, in high school? school? You were a junior in high school. It's the first time you tried Coke. Yeah. So um, I hung out with older guys, too, from playing sports my whole life. And, you know, the Coke was here and there. You know, it was expensive. We didn't work. We didn't have jobs. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wanted to be a police officer my whole life, and um, you know, I, I I was going to college, and this time, you know, the the, the drugs, the cocaine was more around, and uh, I still didn't want to pay for it, um, so I decided to make an investment, and you know, I started selling drugs, using drugs, and drinking, and going to college to be a cop. Um, doesn't work out. Too yeah, the well. irony. Doesn't work out too well. Yeah. See, my my brain told me I can stop. Whenever I want. When I get that college degree, I could, I could stop and go to the academy. It was the disease I was talking. I'm not that bad yet. I only do it this much and that much. Um, by the age of 20, I hit my first DUI. And of course, it was because, you know, I blamed this person, blamed that person. 
Um, you know, I had a point two eight alcohol level, crashed my car, total three others. Mm. The process started the blame game. Um, cocaine just picked up, and all my dreams of being a police officer were gone. Not from the DUI, they were gone because I just stopped going to school. You know, um, my brain told me, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You enjoy doing this, and it's fun. And enjoying doing this, you mean doing, being a drug dealer? and Selling the drugs, the bar life, drinking, the whole, the game, you know what I mean? Like, that's just, it, it was, because at that time, yeah, I had a consequence, but it was fun. There, there wasn't, you know, I didn't hate myself, I didn't, it was, it was just, it was okay at that time. Um, my brain told me. Um, 21, I was in my first rehab, and uh, I just wanted to stop doing drugs. Drinking was not my problem, see? Okay. Um, so I thought. I went into that facility. I seen heroin addicts, crack addicts, um, meth addicts. Uh, I don't belong here. You know, I don't belong here. This isn't me. So everything they told me in there, I didn't hear. And I had no intention, zero intention on stop drinking. You know, how can you be 21 and alcoholic? My dad's an alcoholic. The guy under the bridge is an alcoholic. You know, um, so I got what I got. I got out. I was dry for three, four months. And then I planned my, I don't even call it a relapse. I planned it. I already knew what I was doing. I was going to try and drink successfully on the weekends, get one of those real jobs on the books. Mm-hmm. A year and a half later, I was, I was back in rehab. You know, I, I did what I do. I go back to the hometown. I get my alcohol. I get my cocaine. I'm only going to do it on the weekend. And that's a year and a half run with a new habit back in another treatment center. And that's pretty much my whole entire life, in and out of treatment centers. When you, were in, when you were in your treatment center for the first time, how long were you in treatment? First time, 30 days. You were in 30 and days. And I had mommy's insurance, too. Top of the line insurance. Nice. And um, it was at Act 106. You know, people were getting kicked out, like, not kicked out, funding was being cut. And they said, sir, you're okay. We can keep you for 30 days. I was like, wow, I feel different, you know? And um, I just, I, I never got it. Like whenever I was in treatment though, I was I was like good. You know, I felt okay. I was like participating. I just didn't understand what to do when I got out. And it didn't matter if I went to a Medicaid facility, a private place on a beach facility, they all said the same thing. I just didn't like apply it and listen. Um, I always, I, I didn't, I couldn't be an alcoholic. Um, in and out of facilities. That was my life. And at this time, there's no fun anymore. You know, the, the amount of drugs going on is crazy. It's very stressful. Um, I don't really want to do it anymore. You but know, you I, can't stop. I can't stop. Right. How could you? How far did the drugs escalate then? Um, it, it was daily, and it was meeting people that I probably don't belong meeting. You know, I wouldn't invite them into my own house. Um, but there was that ego power trip. You know, even though people can go somewhere else to get it, when my phones rang, that did something to me. It made me feel better then. And it's very sick to even talk about it, but that's the truth. Um, That kept me out there for a long time. Um, It was obvious that I had a problem um, for me to address it. And they talk about it in the rooms, you know, that pain level wasn't there yet. Um, I still was going to try and do some things my way. it was it was it was just crazy, man. And I, like the fun times were getting smaller and smaller and smaller, catching more arrests. And uh, never did I think about stop drinking. Like I could blame all the other drugs. I just could not. 
Like, why can't I drink like a normal person? Why can't I drink it? Why can't I drink, get drunk, and go home? It's just not the way I'm wired, I guess. Um, today, I know. You know, it, it took a lot of work, but I know today. Maybe we can get into that later. But um, you know, I don't like talking too much about the drunk log because we all know how. If you're in recovery, you know how to drink and how to use. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the all the all I never. Every time I left the facility, I always came back. Next time I came back to a facility, I came back with a new habit. All the I nevers I said I would never do all came true. Every single one of them. Um, it got really bad. Uh, 2009, 2009, 2010. The last I never I said I would never do is pick up a needle. And um, you know I started shooting cocaine. I started shooting heroin. I started shooting meth. And it was it. That was all I wanted to do. I didn't want to sell drugs anymore. Didn't want to be around anybody anymore. Um, I was hopeless. I was broken. And uh, but but at that point you saw no correlation at all between alcohol and drugs, right? No, I, I was just straight done. You know, I was shot. I didn't even. There was no reality. You know, I, I was running around towns like Tony Montana. You know, like that was really like that's how I was going to die. I was going to use. You know, have my money to do what I need to do with it. I can use with it. I can go here, go there, gambling, this or that or the other. Um, and at this point, I was just broken, man. Um, you see, in my case, Dan, I walked into a recovery program off the street only because my wife insisted I get help or get out. And when I walked into that program of recovery, I did not see a correlation between my behavior and alcohol or my business problems and alcohol. You know, I had filed bankruptcy a, a couple of years before that. I was losing things, but I didn't see a correlation between alcohol and my problems. I thought being drunk every day was normal. I was raised in an environment, I'm Irish Catholic. I mean, drinking was was absolutely normal. So what does that have to do with what's wrong with my business or what's wrong with my my relationship with my family? You know, uh, Carly, my youngest daughter, now is able to tell people, when I walked in the house, she ran and hid in her closet. But I didn't know that was because of the alcohol. And, And that's what you're saying, that you wanted to keep drinking and do and give up drugs because you didn't see a correlation between the alcohol and addiction, did you? No, I didn't. And and here's the thing, like there was times where I could drink and and not use cocaine. I was miserable. I didn't want it. Like they went hand in hand. And they told me that over and over. Look, man, a drug's a drug a drug, alcohol's a drug, marijuana's a drug. It's all the same. So, um, you know, that's why I get, I, I get fired up nowadays when I hear people say they're drug of choice. It doesn't matter. You know, it really doesn't matter. If you're really in recovery and you really want a better life, all of it. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't have a clean date for cocaine. I don't have a clean date for alcohol. You know, it's all the same. Right. All right, we're going to take a break. Yeah, we'll be yeah, right we'll back. we'll be right back. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. 
Are you or a family member in need of a lawyer? Has someone you know been charged with a crime, injured in an accident, or through poor medical care, going through a divorce or child custody dispute? You need a lawyer with experience and credentials who will aggressively protect your rights. You need attorney Dave Akins. I know when my family and I needed legal help, we turned to Dave. So should you. Call 570-714-4001. Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855-899-2292. Times have changed. It's time recovery does too. At the Wright Center, their team of addiction and recovery specialists, social workers, and medical providers integrate primary care and behavioral health services for a whole-person approach to wellness. They recognize that no two paths to recovery are the same and aim to help those facing addiction to prescription or street drugs reshape their lifestyle from the comfort of their own community. Getting clean is personal, and we do recover together. If they can help you or someone you know, contact 570-230-0019. Hello, I'm Marissa Jarrett-Winoker. Performing on stage takes mental and physical preparation. But one thing I never thought to prepare for was cervical cancer. 91% of cervical cancers are caused by the human papillomavirus, or HPV. One in every four Americans is infected with HPV. For many people, the virus hides inside them, and they never develop symptoms. But for others, HPV links directly to cancer. My cancer almost ended my career. It almost ended me. The good news is... There are vaccines that can protect you or your children from cancer. The HPV vaccine is recommended for children 11 to 12 years old, and a catch-up vaccine may be an option for teens and young adults. Talk to your doctor. You don't want HPV hiding inside of you. Go to thinkaboutthelink.org to learn more. Together, we can stop cancer before it starts. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And welcome back to Sharing Recovery. I'm Suzanne Kelly. I'm joined by my co-host, co-producer Jack Kropp, and our guest today is Dan Carpenter. Uh, Dan has been sober since 2011. He is uh, cross-addicted. He is in recovery. Dan came up today from the Allentown area. Um, Dan is a radio host, and he's founder of Recovery 365. Uh, before our first break, Dan, we were talking about basically how you were in and out of recovery centers. So you were in and out of treatment for years. You started your basic drinking, like a lot of kids do when you're 14 years old. It quickly escalated. Um, and you wanted to be a state police officer. I did. You I did. did. You I, did. And I never went back. You know, I still have credits, but, you know, life got in the way and maybe one day. We'll see. We'll see. You know, you, you said something um, earlier in the show about how hellish your life was, but it wasn't painful enough 
for you to make a change. And we hear that a lot with individuals, uh, those in recovery who, who come on the program, that the pain has to get worse than the using. Uh, mm. Many of our guests were to the brink of suicide. They wanted to die. They thought they were going to die, but then something snapped and said, there's a better life out there. What was that moment for you? Um, honestly, I, I had... <laughs> If you'd look at my life and the way I was living, you'd think, are you done yet? Yeah. Um, for me, it was, I would love to tell you it was me. Um, I was out on a normal, see, I would, I would be up and out for five days, sleep for a day and a half, then get back up, do another six, five day run. Um, I had no plan, like the last year of my using, I needed to get one day clean and sober by myself. My ego said, hey man, you gotta do this by yourself for one day and then you can go back to a 12 step fellowship. Very stupid. If you're out there, do not do that. Go right away. Um, it took me one year. I woke up, came to whatever, and I went to a meeting. Um, I would love to tell you I did that, but that wasn't me. You know, most people, most people don't pick their sobriety dates. You know, the wife, the husband, the judge, your PO, counselor, somebody thinks you should go to a meeting and get sober, whatever the case may be. So, um, my bottoms and the pain, I was just, I, I was living in it for years. Um, something clicked. I believe my higher power intervened and said, let's go, man. You know where to go. Um, and that's where I started my journey. Well, that's, it's interesting what you just said. A higher power intervened. Because in my case, I didn't have any pain. I didn't think anything was wrong. I simply walked into a meeting to quell the disturbance that my wife was having. She thought there was something wrong. She thought there was a problem. I fully expected to drink every day of the week for the rest of my life because that was normal to me. So, but I walked into a meeting and I've never had a drink since. Wow, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean anything because you don't get Cadillacs and caviar the first day you walk into a meeting. Mm -hmm. And I spent eight years of not drinking before I surrendered. And, and, so my, my higher power intervened a couple of times, Dan. The day I walked into that program, that was by a higher power because how do you go from drinking three quarts of vodka a day to walking in a meeting and never have another drink? I don't know the answer to that. But then I, I found myself in prison. Eight years after having stopped drinking, I'm in prison. And I had plastic bags wrapped around my head and wanted to die. And when I pulled them off my head, my first words out of my mouth were, now what, God? So a higher power is the answer for me. And a high, I don't know what anybody else's recovery is and if that, how that works. But for me, God had to intervene. And you're saying that happened in your life. Absolutely. I, I didn't know that at first. And we don't know that when it happens. Obviously, say, looking yeah, backwards. I got here. Right. You know? yeah. Exactly. Um, it, it's, I, I believe for me, he's always been there, whether I was, whether I'm sober or I was running around like a nut, you know, shooting coke, shooting dope and drinking and driving. He was always there. I just didn't see it. I used to, I used to say that too, dad, that God was always with me. I just didn't need his help. Yeah. Go help somebody that really needs help. Yeah. I don't need your help, but go help Dan, go help Carly. I, yeah. I don't need your help right yeah. now. Absolutely. So, so what happened then, Dan, you went back to a program yeah, I went back to a meeting and, uh, you know, again, I don't recommend this. I, I detoxed my, I was detoxing, um, horrible, bad decision, but it's what I did. Uh, I went back to a meeting, uh, I put my hand up, say it was new. I mean, I didn't 
everybody knew I was new. You could just you you know when somebody's new and they mm -hmm. roll into a meeting, whether they're detoxing or not. You could just see it in the eyes. Um, I put my hand up and I, you know, I was like, look, I need help. And um, it was a small meeting, and they gave me some phone numbers, and they everything was always, hey man, where's your next meeting at? No matter where I went, I'm talking for the first 90 days. Where's your next meeting? Um, so I got really into the program. Um, I wasn't doing all these steps. I, I, I get a kick out of it, which if it works for people, it works. But people are, you know, they're on, you know, their fourth step, you know, their third week in rehab and stuff like that. For me, it took a little bit of time, man. All I could do is not drink, not use it, go to meetings for a little bit. And then, you know, the first meeting I went to, there was a guy named Saggy, Sammy Agolino there. And I'll break his anonymity because he's dead. But he saved my life. Because you start hearing this stuff in a meeting. God, step, sponsor, all. And he looked at me after that meeting and said, just don't drink today and come back tomorrow. <laughs> and now here it is. I'm into my 20th year, and I've repeated that mantra every day of the week, several times a day for the last 20 years. <laughs> just don't drink and come back tomorrow. That's all I could do at that point. <laughs> I mean, what else? I mean, I was overwhelmed. Like, now all of a sudden I'm in a room with people I don't think I belong with. You said that a couple of minutes ago. I'm around people that... I don't hang with these people. And now here I am in a room with them, and now you've taken away everything that means anything to me. Alcohol. Because I dealt with every feeling, and I didn't know this then. I'm, I'm looking with hindsight now. But alcohol got me through every situation. Now it's been taken away from me. Now what do I do? And it was don't drink and come back tomorrow. And that's what you just said. Yeah. Just don't, you just... In the beginning, you just don't use and come back, right, Dan? Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm impressed. Look, there's some people that, you know, they get in a car accident, and that's that's their bottom. And, and whatever mm -hmm. your bottom is is your bottom. You don't have to keep digging and digging and digging. But, I mean, I, I just couldn't. I mean, I really couldn't. And um, the fellowship helped me out a lot. There's so much stuff that helped me. I mean, I can go on for hours, but, um, you know, it was very hard. Early sobriety. When I say early sobriety, I'm talking the first two years. That's what was explained to me that was early sobriety. Because um, a lot of stuff goes on. A lot of behaviors are still there. Um, and it was just a run, man. It, it was it was beautiful. It wasn't easy. You know, I, I rolled in with a relationship like we always do. You know, we bring a hostage in with us and we're all going to get <laughs> clean and sober. And um, <laughs> thank God I had these guys in my life that broke it down to me real. They said, hey, man. We're not telling you what to do, but what are you going to do if one of you guys relapses? And first I was like, ah, it's not going to happen. And then I said, I really want you to think about that. And this was a turning point in my recovery. That happened. Well, I told him, I'll, I'll leave. That happened like two months later. So I either stay and re my recovery could be out the window or I leave and I left. And from there on out, I started taking some of those suggestions. Not all of them. I didn't take all the suggestions. I took a lot though, because there's nobody that was gonna get in front of my recovery. And still to this day, there is nobody in the world that's gonna stop me from being sober. Right, recovery's gotta be first. It has to be. And I have a baby, you know? And I was in a relationship. All these things, it doesn't, none of that matters. Because if I'm drinking and using, I might as well hand you over my baby, hand you over whatever relationship, give you my keys, give you everything. We hear, we all hear that, Dan. We go to, we go to a meeting and, and or, or let's let's take that step back one. We talk to a person who's wondering about whether or not they need help, and they say, "Well, I can't go into a program because I have this job, or I have this child, or I have this car, or I have something." And I try to explain to them, "You aren't going to have any of that." Don't worry about that job. You think you're going to lose it because you're going to recovery? You're going to lose it anyhow because if you keep using, you're going to either 
you're just going to die. That, that's the bottom. People don't understand in the beginning that recovery has to be first and way ahead in first place, not not even close to second place. Because if you don't stay clean and sober, you nothing else matters. You know, you anymore. brought up a really good point, Jack, and, and, and Dan as well, is that that has to be in the forefront, always. And it's not selfish. To put your health and your well-being and your physical and your emotional and your mental health should be a priority in your life because how else are you going to get and stay in recovery? You need to do that. And, and you know, Jackie said the same thing. It doesn't matter if, if you say, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my house, I'm going to lose my girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. If I go into treatment, if you don't, you're going to lose it. If you feel shame, you're going to be silent and silence, we know, usually ends up in death. Mm. So when you, Dan, were in your first two years of recovery, Okay, so you're, you're new at this. Did you fall into temptation? Did you kind of be like, I've got to make a decision or I almost want to go back? And, you know, as you said in the past, plan your relapse. Honestly, like it was different this time. And, okay. I, and I know we hear this a lot when people are out of treatment, but something was different. Um, like I said, the pain was there, but eventually that pain goes away. You know what I mean? You sober up, you start eating right, you get, get to the gym, you know, you're smelling right, you're getting showers, getting going to the dentist, stuff like that. But the obsession to drink and use was gone it was gone it wasn't there anymore that didn't mean i didn't think about it but that constant battle um that was gone and i just didn't i did majority what they told me to do you know like i said not everything but i was at i did some meetings man when they talk about 90 90 i was doing at least two if i could um if i was off or whatever i would go to because i didn't know how, how what else to do um i didn't i didn't plan nothing i like it talks about it in some of our literature I smashed the idea of me being able to ever drink or use successfully again. That was already done with. So when I could accept that and really who I am um, and realize there's some work to do, you know, there was no looking back. Like, it was just all good from there. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855-899-2292. Times have changed. It's time recovery does too. At the Wright Center, their team of addiction and recovery specialists, social workers, and medical providers integrate primary care and behavioral health services for a whole person approach to wellness. They recognize that no two paths to recovery are the same and aim to help those facing addiction to prescription or street drugs reshape their lifestyle from the comfort of their own community. Getting clean is personal, and we do recover together. If they can help you or someone you know, contact 570-230-0019. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. 
If you or someone you know needs a lawyer, what should you look for? Excellence, experience, integrity. Attorney Dave Akins has all of those qualities. Whether it's a criminal case, a personal injury matter, medical negligence, or a divorce, Dave will fight for you. I know from personal experience. Call 570-714-4001. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Our guest today is Dan Carpenter. Dan came up from the Allentown area. He has been sober since 2011. Dan is the radio host and founder of Recovery 365. So before the break, Dan, we were talking about you were in and out of recovery. Okay, you were in and out of treatment. Something clicked. Um, You felt different that time. And we can all agree that we can never just put that when was that aha moment, but you had that aha moment when uh, you decided that no more, that you wanted to live a good life, a clean life, and a happy life. But it wasn't always easy. Um, You had to make changes in your life to do so. Absolutely. Um, I mean, if you don't know, recovery is all about change. Yeah. And uh, I would ask them, what do I got to change? And they always would say everything. Everything, right. Um, And that was very, very overwhelming. But um, I had a sponsor and a bunch of people, I mean, a crew of people around me, and they would break stuff down for me, man. Look, first of all, where are you going to meet today? You going to work today? You know, make your bed, read, pray. Like, they had my whole day planned out for me. Make your beds interesting. Yeah. I don't make it anymore. <laughs> but, but you know what, though? That, you don't know how many people have said to me, make your bed is the most important thing you can do every day. And I think, what? Get in a routine of doing something that you've accomplished. Mm-hmm. You've accomplished that. Now your bed is made. And that's part of cleaning your own house. Like, mm-hmm. Make my bed. That's funny you say that, Dan. It, I, I did it for a little bit. I really did. <laughs> but then I, I just, I was like, all right, I don't much stuff going on, but um, you know, somebody's sleeping in the bed, whatever, can't make it, whatever it is. But I, so like, I was, they were like, take it hour by hour if you need to. And then I was working, so I would work about 12 hours a day, you know, sleep about four hours a day. So that's 16 hours, right? So I had to occupy my brain with the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. It's not too bad. You know what I mean? You hit a meeting, you do this, you do that, and boom, you know, here's the day. But I needed that structure because left to left. To my own device and in my own head, I'm crazy. It's been proven over and over again. I make crazy decisions, and um, I don't know how to live. And that's where the process started, man. They showed me how to live. You know, um, for me, and there's many ways out there for recovery. is a huge topic right now. We're not going to go there. Um, for me, I found a 12-step fellowship, and that's what I rolled with, and that's what's worked for me. Um, and it's just not stop drinking and using. Like that's great. Like. But I hit a wall, you know, I had about six months going to me and doing the whole nine. But I wasn't really, my attitude and behaviors weren't up to par at all. Um, I was basically the same guy, just not using and drinking. And mm-hmm. it was either I was going to follow some directions and get better or I was going to be miserable. Nobody wanted to be around me and I'd probably drink and use again. Well, that's, that's one of the biggest points that I always try to make. Yeah, I stopped drinking in 1998. But I didn't change any of my behaviors. I kept doing, I kept living the same life with alcohol just being removed. As a result of that, you know, 2001 is when, when, when it hit the fan for me and I got in a lot of trouble. That trouble went on until 2008. So for 10 years, 
because I didn't want to change the way I lived and I didn't want to change the way I behaved, life kept getting worse. Life got worse for me without alcohol because I hadn't surrendered to a program of recovery. So it, it's that, I, that's the thing I share with newcomers. You, you've got to, you got to, you got to do what we do now. And people used to say to me, you're not doing what we do. Well, yes, I am. I don't drink. No, no. That, that's the easy part. Not drinking is the easy part. It's, com- it's working this program. And, Dan, it took me years and years and years until one day, I don't know why, but I read it for about the thousandth time in my life, that Dr. Bob wrote a prescription. Mm-hmm. You know, clean house. I need somebody to talk to every day. I need somebody I can tell what's going on in my life. Trust God. It's easy to say I trust God. Trusting God takes a lot of work. It's easy to trust God when everything's going right. Mm -hmm. It's when it hits the fan, how do you trust God? And then the key to recovery for me is helping others. Mm -hmm. Stop thinking about myself and start helping others. But that wasn't easy to learn, was it, Dan? Absolutely not. Um, I was selfish, self-centered, egotistical maniac. Um, I had to be taught, hey, man, hold the door for that lady at the Wawa. I was here first. Why would I hold, you know what I mean? That was my mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, this one guy used to say, when you go grocery shopping, you know, the carts, uh, put them in a corral. I said, why? They have people to, <laughs> they, have, they pay people to do that, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't see any of that. Um, so it was a whole psychic change, and it talks about it in the book and, and stuff like that, but it, ta- it took me a long time to do what they were telling me to do, register, and then, like, carry it. Um, I, I, a lot of things had to happen for me to change, you know, it, it, up until I was three years sober, again, working steps, going to meetings, you know, had a sponsor, had a sponsee or two for whatever reason, my, this was the biggest breaking point of my recovery to get me where I'm at today. I believe when I, I could fix anybody, you need something, I'm there. I'll help you. Stuff would go on with me. I would share about it, but for whatever reason, I would only give you about 75%. Yeah. Give you the 75%, but I want you, Jack, I want you to give me a 100% answer. Mm-hmm. So right. they would give me back what they told me, like what I told them, it would help, but not everything. So I'm not giving them the whole detail. I finally broke down and like I had to get a completely honest about what's going on with me. And when I could do that, when I started doing that, it was a game changer. It was absolutely game changer. It was a spiritual awakening. Like, it just changed everything. It was something so simple. But you can't talk about yourself and tell about yourself. You want somebody to help you, give give, give them that whole thing. Well, you know, Dan, I tell people, there's two or three people I tell absolutely everything to. And I tell them, it's like I have a TV show running in my head. And that TV show was, like, pretty crazy. (laughs) So when I tell you what's going on in my head, it's, when when I say it out loud, I can then see it's nuts. Mm -hmm. It's crazy the thoughts I get. And you know, now, just recently, I added a second show, so I've got two TV shows running in my head at the same time. (laughs) And and now, this is over 19 years into this, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long you haven't had a drink. It matters what you're doing with it. And you gotta keep sharing what goes on. Cleaning house is the most important part of my recovery on a daily basis. Tell somebody what you're thinking. You know, when you get a crazy idea in your head, share it with somebody else and let them, nobody tells you what to do. They just say, are you sure? You think that's a good idea? Or they laugh and say, that is pretty crazy. But that cleaning house is so important and helping others 
they got to go hand in hand. So, I mean, yesterday, I had a toothache yesterday. I sat at home almost in tears, and I said to myself at one point, all I'm thinking about today is me. And I, and I, you know what? I couldn't help it right at that moment. My tooth hurt so much. But I like that, holding the door for somebody, letting somebody go ahead of you at the Wawa in the line. Go ahead. I, just being a nicer person. It all, it all had a, like, it's it's common sense. It's stuff you learn in kindergarten kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But I was broken. Like I said, I was broken. And you take away that alcohol and the drugs from me, now I don't even know how to act. Um, like I said, the steps helped me, and they continue to. But when I got honest about everything about me, I was okay. And, and I was at ease. And the book talks that. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was just like a perfect... It was just like a perfect atmosphere, perfect day. It was a huge lift off my shoulders. Not when I went through the steps, like I heard things like that, you know, I felt better. But that day in particular, when I broke down and got honest, everything, everything changed. It just changed. God's like, I told you so. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, hey, man, are you done? I told you. Go ahead. But then as you continue to grow in recovery, and recovery is a living organism, you don't ever reach a point where it's done. It continues to grow on a daily basis. But you continue to do these things every day, right? You don't stop one day. Because the minute you stop, you're going the wrong direction. Mm. So in recovery, I have to work those three things every day of the week. To the best of my ability. And not everybody's 100% perfect 100% of the time. But you have to have those things, in my opinion, going on at the same time. Trusting God, helping others, and talking about yourself to someone to make sure you stay on a path of recovery. If you can do that, you've, you've got a pretty good life ahead of you. And, you know, our literature tells you you'll get a new life and a new happiness. I don't want my old life back. Yep. I don't want the life I had before. I don't want the troubles I had before. I don't want any of that back. I don't want my life back. I want a new life and a new happiness. And that's what you found, right? Absolutely. Um, it, it was brand new life, new start. Um, you know, something you said, I, I would believe in God. And this old guy, man, he had like 50 years, and uh, he sat in the back, just crossed his arms, you know, old timer, and he would say, hey, kid, you believe, do you trust? And I remember when he said that to me, I had to really think about that. I was like, yeah, I, I don't know if I trust him all the time. You know, he's got, it's going to be what it's going to be, you know, so I need, I need to believe and I need to trust. Um, I'm but doing, trust takes action. Absolutely. I believe I'm doing God's work, you know. It wasn't always like that. But where I've came and the people I run into, meeting you, meeting, you know, this isn't coincidence, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's just a good life. It really is. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about your radio show because it's, it's really cool. Um, that is Recovery 365. You know how what? Did I, I didn't know what 365 stood for. You know, that's how dumb I am. <laughs> oh, you're not dumb. I, I, Come on. I was sitting here thinking, I wonder what hashtag 365 means. And I kept thinking, oh boy, then it finally dawned on me. <laughs> so. Explain it. <laughs> All right. So, um, <laughs> we're going to take a break. Oh, yeah. And Kathy move, just said we need to take a break. When we come back, Dan will explain what hashtag 365 <laughs> means for the other dummies in the world like me. We'll be right back. This is WYLK, powered by Sherwood Chevrolet Buick GMC, online at SherwoodChevrolet.com. Times have changed. It's time recovery does too. 
At the Wright Center, their team of addiction and recovery specialists, social workers, and medical providers integrate primary care and behavioral health services for a whole-person approach to wellness. They recognize that no two paths to recovery are the same and aim to help those facing addiction to prescription or street drugs reshape their lifestyle from the comfort of their own community. Getting clean is personal, and we do recover together. If they can help you or someone you know, contact 570-230-0019. Attorney Dave Akins has been practicing law for 23 years. He has successfully represented thousands of clients in cases ranging from multi-million dollar personal injury and medical malpractice claims to criminal cases to divorces. When I've needed legal guidance, I called Dave Akins. So should you. 570-714-4001. Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855-899-2292. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. They say time is money. WILK wants to reward you with $1,000 just for listening. The Cash Clock on WILK gives you 12 chances each day to win. Be listening every weekday starting at 6 a.m. And every hour on the hour, you could win $1,000. That's $12,000 a day. Listen at the top of each hour for the keyword. Text the keyword to 72881 to enter. Message and data rates apply. Don't text and drive. One national winner wins $1,000 each hour. The Cash Clock on WILK News Radio. It pays to listen. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And welcome back to Sharing Recovery. We have about 10 minutes left in today's show. So before the break, Jack said, like, what's this hashtag 365, Dan? So um, <laughs> can you explain right. it to so, our listeners and viewers? <laughs> um, all right. So about a year ago, about a year ago now, um, I, I started a, a radio show for The Road to Recovery, 365, and uh, hashtag 365. 365 days in a year. Yeah, yeah Dan, that, that, oh. that went right over my head. Hopefully we're going to stay sober one day at a time throughout the year. But um, uh, I'm not this that was, uh, this. I got a lot of eye looks and stuff when I when I came public out, you know, in the public eye, um, social media and stuff like that. Um, some people really didn't like that. Um, I got to the point where, look, man, we're in an epidemic and yeah. way too many people are dying. I'm, I am allowed. I, I understand my program and traditions. I am allowed to break my personal, personal, personal anonymity. Dan, um, I don't mean to interrupt you, but we've had pushback on this show. 
from people in the recovery mm-hmm. community here in the Northeast who said this show breaks some of the traditions. Yeah. And no, it, it does not. It, it doesn't. If you noticed, not one time today did we say right. what fellowship we're yep. in. Exactly. You know, th- we're in a program of recovery. So I, I, in the beginning, I was like, man, I don't know if I should do this because I was getting the feedback. And then, you know, I talked to some people that do this and they said, hey, man, what's your, what, what's your goal and what are your motives? And my goal was to get a radio show, to get my own brand, which I did, mm-hmm. and to help as many people as I can on a daily basis. Um, it started out small. I started out in a small studio, and then I created my own studio in my house and um, reached out, branded out, and um, I, I, I met this awesome, awesome team of people, um, OperationCleanRecovery.com. Um, they invited me into their group. Um, they have platforms all over social media, not just Facebook. You know, there are other big platforms rather than Facebook. And, you know, everybody has a job and everybody works together. And, you know, it's awesome. Um, we, we reach a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I get people into treatment if needed. People need a meeting list to get them. If they don't have insurance, if they do have insurance, that whole game, mm-hmm. um, that's what we're there to help for. Um, I did also learn about the recovery field. Um, not every place is safe. Um, I was shocked, you know, a lot of illegal activity stuff goes on. Um, people are exposed. Um, it's a multi-billion dollar a year industry. People get greedy. Um, but there are a lot of good things. Um, and, you know, I, I know I carry my message. I don't carry anybody uh, anybody else's message. I know it works for me. And I also became open-minded to other people's recovery. Uh, you know what, Dan? I've said that a lot of times. My recovery is my recovery, and your recovery is your recovery. I'm not going to try and tell you that I have a boilerplate that says if you do this, you recover, or you must do this to be re- in, in recovery. Everybody's recovery is their own. Their path is their own. If there are people that we know that have relapsed 90 times or 19 times, whatever it is, but they're still trying. There are people like me who walked into a a program and have never had a drink since. That doesn't make me right and you wrong or vice versa. It just means that's my road and that's your road. And I've been through a lot of stuff I don't wish on anyone. But you know what? I had to go through that to get to this point. I had to get go through all of that to get to the point where I said... God wanted me to go through that so I could understand and so I could help others because life was all about me. Mm-hmm. For the first 49 or 59 years, whatever it was, life was about me. I didn't care about my kids, my wife, my dog, my house, my business. I cared about me getting what I wanted. Even after I stopped drinking for eight years, all I cared about was me. And and it's that's the road I had to travel. So I don't, I don't tell anybody their recovery path is wrong or right. Yeah. I tell them what I did. I share my strength and hope. And that's what you're doing, right? Yeah, and, you know, I, I was shocked. Like I said, uh, you know, where I come from, recovery is like, you know, open arms and things like that. You know, the social media aspect is a lot different. Um, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad, but you just got to, uh, for me, I got to stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, regardless what they're doing over there or what they're saying, that's not in my business. I That doesn't affect me. Uh, my mission is to help the next one. Um, I do short videos on topics. To all, all things that if I would have, when I was new, it was available to me, I would have taken avail- availability. You know, I would have wanted to watch stuff like that. How do you, are you struggling with depression or, you know, anxiety or, you know, 
any kind of recovery topic you think about, we do. You know, but um, that and recovery has evolved absolutely. Because in 1998, when I came to recovery, depression, anxiety, those weren't things you heard about in a meeting. Yeah. When I came to recovery, there was an old guy there named Jimmy who chaired this first meeting I went to, and I went to that meeting every every week for a long time. He would tell you, sit down and shut up and do what we do. You can't do that today. I mean, I don't think you can deal with an opiate addict that's 25 years old the way Jimmy dealt with me as a 45-year-old alcoholic. Recovery has evolved, and we have to look at other components to addiction, which is what you're saying, that today we've got to look at a lot more than just alcohol or the drug. We have to look at the person as a whole today. Absolutely. Um, you know, they're, they're still old-timers, and I respect people with time, and... But I also respect a new person. So, like, there's no way, no way I would ever tell somebody that's brand new off the street, I don't care if they're off dope, alcohol, whatever, I would never, ever tell them to sit down and shut up. Because, look, mm -hmm. that that may be what I needed. I don't, but if that person gets up and leaves, you know, how are they, how are we welcoming them in? Right. You know what I'm saying? Now, some people might think different, whatever, but I mean, if somebody wants to talk, you know, that might, something might save their life. Um, but it is different, and, you know, the Internet's a beautiful thing. And that, that's the big problem with, you know, people that have been sober for a long time. They, you know, Facebook, what? Mm -hmm. You know, um, you'd be surprised how many people you can reach, I'm telling you. Um, and you don't know what you're going to say. And that's another thing. you got to watch what you say. Um, I have to be very clear on what I say. And I have to re reiterate myself because I don't tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I am not a doctor. I'll never give advice on medication, none of that. And I don't... I just won't. I can lead you to some great doctors. Um, I get that question all the time, Dan. What will my detox be? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something. My name's not Dr. Jack Crop. Yeah. I can't answer that question. I can take you to a treatment program, and they have a medical team, and they will help you detox. And every person that comes through there has their own protocol to be detoxed from whatever they're doing, how much they're doing, how long. That's beyond me. I can tell, take you to a safe, clean, healthy environment, and then from there, let the professionals take over. I mean, I can't answer all those questions. Yeah. Some people do, though, and that's the scary well, thing. Well, that, yeah. that's wrong. So, I mean, and this is one thing I wanted to jump into because I think it's really important. Um, the whole stigma and the whole recovery advocate, um, it's dangerous, man. Like, if everybody has a message to carry, and I uh, respect that 100%, but there's people out there that don't work a program, don't have a program, and they're they're advocating recovery. Therefore, if you don't have a program, or what are you really doing? Right. You know, it's not like when I go facts. You know, I try not to give. I, I give facts or my experience. You know, my opinion really doesn't matter. I give facts of my experience, um, and, and it's just scary because I see a lot of people in the fields that don't have a program or don't have a lot of time, they relapse constantly. You know, it's great to help somebody, but just know when to do it. You know, if you're not ready yourself, like I couldn't have been on a radio or running a radio show or doing a Facebook Live video when I was a year sober. Are you kidding me? Two years sober? Absolutely not. Because I didn't know. I didn't know. So. And the thing is, you know, when they when they talk about recovery and and it's it's it doesn't mean your life's going to be all as as Jack would say, uh, Cadillacs and caviar. <laughs> you're still going to have pressure. You're still going to have sadness. You're still going to have challenges in your life. But it's how you handle it. You handle it differently, and you can have an exceptional life when you stop using and you're in recovery. 
and you're proof of that. You're also taking um, the whole holistic look at your recovery. So it's, it's more than working your steps. It's more than reading. You're helping others. You're taking care of yourself, body, mind, and soul, right down to nutrition, the yeah, whole thing. Absolutely. And I think that's another thing that, that we could really implement in the recovery process that makes us whole and better as a person. Absolutely. And you feel better, too. Yeah. Like I was, I was probably 240 pounds when I got sober. Yeah. I was 600. And I just, they were like, yo, you got to find a hobby, right? And I was like, a ho- huh? hobby? Well, I shoot pool, I do this. I do th- <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> like two years into it, I, I started running and stuff and, you know, I got hooked on that. But, uh, you know, the last thing I wanted to mention, um, for everybody up in Pittston, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, yeah. real quick plug. Yeah. Um, May 19th, 11 to 4 at Cedar Crest College, downtown Pennsylvania. Uh, Rally in the Valley is having their second second annual. Um, it's going to be awesome. Speakers, food, fellowship, um, bands, you name it. It's going to be there. Treatment centers are going to be there, a few. Um, all kinds of arts and crafts and stuff. Bring the kids. It's in the tenant area. Huge. Um, come on out. You guys will have a good time. Do you have to buy tickets for it, Dan? Uh, no. Okay, it's free. It's a free event. Come on out. It's a free okay. event, and it's a shame-free zone. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it, it was really fun last year. Like I said, it rained last year, but the tent covered us, so it was good. It's And about how many people are you expecting this year? I'm hoping 1,000. 1,000 people. Know, That's um, really decent. Ma- maybe more, because we are busting it. people in from different kind of counties and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. And where do you get more information on this? Uh, Rallyinthevalley.com. Rallyinthevalley.com. Yeah. We have Damn. a Facebook page, yes. Are you happy today? Absolutely. You have a decent life today? I'd have a great life today. <laughs> all right. Great. All without drugs and alcohol. It's amazing all the newcomers that come into recovery and say, what am I going to do? What's life going to be like? How am I going to have any fun without alcohol? How am I going to have any fun without getting high? And you know what? You find out life is so much better this way. That, And it's um, it's an amazing life recovery. It is. And, and uh, it took a long time to learn that, so... Wonderful. We are out of time. Dan, thank you so much. This was this was just fantastic. The show will be available tomorrow um, on the At Sharon Recovery Radio on Facebook. Um, and again, you're listening to 